Right in D.C., here's Gail Trotter. Just who do we think we are? This was a question that I kept thinking about this weekend after the monumentous Supreme Court decisions that we saw last week and the effort to ban the Confederate flag. So I want to talk about those three things from last week that I spent all weekend mulling over. And it was in light of a vacation that I had taken with my family two weeks ago to Rome. And I was walking around Rome. I was seeing things like the Colosseum, seeing all the beautiful churches and thinking about one of the biggest, most influential republics that our world has ever seen. And of course, we had the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire. And it's something that's going through a lot of people's minds this weekend. Have we seen the rise and the fall of the American idea, the American nation? Taking into account these three things that happened last week, I want to give you a different perspective on it. I want to think about the glory of Western civilization that I saw when I was in Rome, kind of attach it back to what we're seeing going on in America right now. And as I said, we had the Confederate flag issue last week, and on Drudge, uh, we saw an effort. A man in California went around asking U.S. citizens to sign a petition to ban the American flag. We saw that we had all of these efforts to pull down the Confederate flag from the South Carolina Capitol, to remove the merchandise from stores like Walmart, to take it offline from places like eBay. And then there was a lot of talk last week about, well, why stop at the Confederate flag? We had Louis Farrakhan last week come into the nation's capital, Washington District of Columbia, and he made the comment, this is Louis Farrakhan, I don't know what the hell the fight is about over the Confederate flag. We need to put the American flag down because we've caught as much hell under that as the Confederate flag. That's what Louis Farrakhan said. Then there was this intrepid person in California who went out with a video camera asking people to sign a ban of old glory. He made the argument just in to see whether people would agree with him or not. He said that our Stars and Stripes flag has a history of imperialism and racism. And he did this video uh, effort to have people sign the petition in San Diego. One man commented, it sounds like a great idea. And other people were as equally enthusiastic as the first man. And we see that this is not an isolated episode. We see things like this going on around the country right now. There's been talk about removing the Jefferson Memorial in D.C. to take down this beautiful memorial that is a you know, reference point around the world of the idea of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal and that we have representation, that we have the ability to govern ourselves. We don't need a monarch. We don't need a group, a Politburo to tell us how to live our lives. And the Jefferson Memorial stands as a beacon of that around the world. As crazy things are going around the world, we still have this idea. And yet, there are some people who are advocating tearing down the Jefferson Memorial. And that's not all. We saw a petition last week at the University of Texas signed by students there to remove a statue of 
You think it might be Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy? No, the petition wanted to remove a statue of George Washington, the father, the father of our com- of our country, uh, a brave man who in the darkest nights in Valley Forge was able to rally his troops and to overcome the monarchy that was denying English men and women who lived in the colonies at that time the right to govern themselves. So I saw all of this effort going on the last week, and then we had two massive Supreme Court decisions last week. We saw Obamacare upheld for the second time, and we saw same-sex marriage mandated across all 50 states. So I just wanted to go into this a little bit because I think it's important to, as we discuss all these issues, to remember this question that Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the same-sex marriage decision that was handed down on Friday. Just who do we think we are? And I want to point your attention to this great piece over at Conservative Review by Daniel Horowitz, where he outlines nine bigger threats than the Confederate flag. I couldn't agree with Daniel more. I've written about this for several years, uh, the, the idea that we are putting our national security at risk, that we are putting global interests over American interests, that we are no longer able to defend our way of life, the values that are most fundamentally important to all of us. And of these nine threats that are bigger than the Confederate flag, Daniel lays them out so well. He talks about the fact that Obama has released terrorists. We saw that with Bo Bergdahl, there were five terrorists who were released and sent to countries that are not friendly countries that do not have the same type of values that we have. We see the same thing with Obama negotiating with terrorists. Obama has changed the administration's policy that families cannot pay ransom in order to get their family members back. And that just really puts a target on every American traveling overseas. It puts a target on their back to say, if you kidnap this person, not only are you going to get money, but you're going to get fuel for your terroristic aims, for your ideas, for getting them out there to advance your cause. Daniel also pointed out that we have a one-sided war against America coming from China. I've written about this. I've spoken about this. We see that China is being very aggressive, not only with America, but also with the countries in the region. We have allies in this region. They have depended on us for their defense for decades, and now they're looking to America. America is turning a uh, the back to all of these countries. So that is a bigger threat than the Confederate flag. We also have the Iran nuclear uh, negotiations that continue to go. It looks like we're going to blow through the next deadline, which is no surprise with this administration. We only have the ability, it seems like, in these negotiations to continue to concede what the despotic leaders of Iran want. Instead of being able to negotiate from a position of strength, which as the leading power in the, in the world, we should be negotiating from a position of strength. 
We also see that the U.S. Um, support of Hezbollah is a bigger threat than the Confederate flag. We see stuff that's going on with the Muslim Brotherhood is a bigger threat than the Confederate flag. And we're also seeing homegrown terror. We've been able to avert a lot of the attacks, but who could forget the Boston Marathon bombing? The person who was behind that was just sentenced recently for that, and he gave a statement talking about Allah and about his Muslim faith. And we understand that there are many people in this country in all 50 states. We had the director of the FBI has given out public information saying that there are investigations in all 50 states looking at these homegrown jihadists. That is a bigger threat than the Confederate flag. We also have to look at our administration's embrace of Cuba. Cuba There's a reason why we did not have relations with Cuba, um, any type of embassy or diplomatic relations with Cuba, because they are brutal, brutal with their citizens, so much so that people try to at risk of death to leave that country to come to America. And yet we see Obama not only not improving the situation with Cuba, but really supporting, giving cover to this communist regime that has only squished people's human rights for decades. We also see that we have immigration issues that this administration not only refuses to deal with, but adds fuel to the fire by refusing to follow the laws that are already on the books and also having the problem of these executive orders that he pushed through in December that completely disregard the law. So those are things that Americans should think about when we're trying to understand just who do we think we are. Now, in relation to that as well, we had the Supreme Court's decision on Friday dealing with same-sex marriage. And I thought Justice Scalia, he's been quoted a lot by a lot of different people on what he said, but I thought part of his opinion was critically important because a lot of times people on the right are characterized, caricatured as homophobes or people who are bigots. And I would just like to emphasize this, that this is what Justice Scalia said. He wrote separately from Chief Justice John Roberts' dissent in the same-sex marriage case to call attention to the Supreme Court's threat to American democracy. And I want to quote him. The substance of today's decree is not of immense personal importance to me. The law can recognize as marriage whatever sexual attachments and living arrangements it wishes and can accord them favorable civil consequences from tax treatment to rights of inheritance. Those civil consequences and the public approval that conferring the name of marriage evidences can perhaps have adverse social effects, but no more adverse than the effects of many other controversial laws. So it's not about special importance to me what the law says about marriage. It is of overwhelming importance, however, who it is that rules me. Today's decree says that my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans coast to coast is a majority of the nine lawyers on the Supreme Court. 
The opinion in these cases is the furthest extension in fact and the furthest extension one can even imagine of the court's claimed power to create liberties that the Constitution and its amendments neglect to mention. This practice of constitutional revision by an unelected committee of nine always accompanied, as it is today, by extravagant praise of liberty, it robs the people of the most important liberty they asserted in the Declaration of Independence and won in the Revolution of 1776, the freedom to govern themselves. And when we think about who we are as a people, there's nothing, nothing, I think, that defines us more than our willingness to sacrifice our blood, sweat, treasure to govern ourselves. So there are people who have different opinions on same-sex marriage. There are people who support civil unions. There are people who think it's morally wrong and it's you know difficult. It's going to cause all sorts of problems for our country. You can have different opinions about it. But we have a democratic process. We are supposed to be able to vote and decide these controversial issues. And there was an article written by Kathy Ruse talking about the title of it is Don't Buy the Same-Sex Marriage Tidal Wave Illusion. And she lays out really strongly how even though there has been some change of opinions on same-sex marriage, same-sex attraction, same-sex relationships, there has been no tidal wave. If you even look at the major proponents of same-sex marriage right now who hold political office, President Obama didn't support same-sex marriage publicly until May 2012. Hillary Clinton didn't support same-sex marriage publicly until 2013. And they're just putting their fingers up to the wind and trying to sense where their base wants them to go and where you know their political support is the money that will come for contributions to their campaigns to help them you know ascend power to climb the ladder of power and yet Kathy Ruse lays out in this article that 50 million Americans over the past few years have voted to keep the definition of same of marriage as one man one woman so we saw on Friday This is the crucial point. I can't underscore this enough. Regardless what the issue was, we saw on Friday one person, because it was a five to four decision of the nine justices of the Supreme Court, we saw one person upend the considered votes of 50 million American citizens who cared enough about this issue to take off from work, to stop doing whatever they were doing at home, to go to the ballot box, which is the fundamental exercise of liberty in this country. And we're coming up on Independence Day. And as I said, when I was walking around Rome thinking about the Republic and the idea of you know, the great expanse of history, we are a very young nation. We're only about 230 years old, and we have this ongoing struggle to protect the very thing that our ancestors, even if they weren't our biological ancestors, but our ancestors in the idea, our forefathers and mothers who sacrificed in order to make sure that we would have the ability to govern ourselves. We saw the Supreme Court wipe that away on Friday with the vote of one man. Just think about how breathtaking that is. One person overturned the considered opinion of 50 million American citizens. Regardless of the issue, 
that is a very dark day in the history of this country. And then we have to roll in the Obamacare decision that happened the day before, where we saw Chief Justice John Roberts on the other side of the issue. And it is of the same piece and the same philosophy that the liberal justices accepted on Friday in order to roll gay marriage across the country in defiance of the votes of 50 million citizens. And one observer of the Supreme Court called the Supreme Court, sometimes it functions like a naked power organ, meaning that the court is unable to recognize the restraints on its power and that there's something about getting life tenure as a Supreme Court justice that makes it seem like it is okay to take that power into account. Now, I want to quote to you from Chief Justice John Roberts' opinion in the marriage case and contrast that with the decision that he rendered in the Obamacare case. So let me read this to you. The majority's decision in the gay marriage case is an act of will, not legal judgment. The right it announces has no basis in the Constitution or this court's precedent. The majority expressly disclaims judicial caution and omits even a pretense of humility, openly relying on its desire to remake society according to its own quote, new insight into the nature of injustice. As a result, the court invalidates the marriage laws of more than half the states and orders the transformation of a social institution that has formed the basis of human society for millennia. For the Kalahari Bushmen and the Han Chinese, the Carthaginians and the Aztecs, just who do we think we are? Now, I couldn't agree with this passage more. I wish Justice John Roberts had written it in the Obamacare case as well, because the same principles apply. Now, the Obamacare case dealt with looking at the language of a bill, a law that was passed and signed by the president, that required that subsidies only be given to those people who purchased insurance off exchanges established by the state. And yet Chief Justice John Roberts' opinion, which was joined by his leftist, statist-type justices on the Supreme Court, completely disregarded the black letter of the law and made words meaningless turned it upside down on its head. And I would challenge anybody who wants to understand this question that I keep coming back to, who do we think we are? Are we a nation of people guided by laws that we decide on, that we choose ourselves, that we agree to live under? Or are we a nation that is guided by executive fiats and imperial presidency a Supreme Court that relies on the law in order to come up with justifications by ignoring the plain language of the law, it could be very discouraging. But I think the key for all the people who are worried about this and concerned about this is, who do we think we are? 
Let's dig deep into our American psyche, into our history to understand that nothing good comes without a fight, that nothing worthwhile is handed to us on a platter, that we have these things that happen. We have adversity. We have the conditions of Valley Forge. We have defeats. We have we have this over and over again in our very short American history. But we are fighters. We are people who believe in the idea of democracy, that all men are created equal under the law, that we have inalienable rights, and we must fight for them. There is an effort underway when we think about these decisions that the left wants us to say, wants those who disagree with these decisions to to accept that this is the, quote, law of the land, that the issue is over, that there's no more room for debate. And yet, that's not the case. That's never the case in a democracy. It is never over. And as we saw with the Roe v. Wade decision in the 1970s, 1973 to be specific, that wasn't over. It just galvanized the opposition. It allowed a new um, resurgence of enthusiasm and support and uh you know, political involvement from people who didn't have to be politically involved before. And I tell you, mark my words, that this is not over. The the people who won these two decisions are not going to be satisfied with their victories. They are going to continue coming after people who disagree with them. They're going to label them bigots. They're going to label them homophobes. They're going to require them to live in a way that makes them violate their deepest held beliefs. This is not over. It is only the beginning. We're also seeing it with Obamacare. The left is not satisfied with Obamacare. It does not completely take over health care, which is one-sixth of our economy. The left wants a single-payer system where the government is completely in charge of your health care, your health care data, and the relationship between you and your doctor. This is not over, but I want to leave you with an optimistic note. I believe that we know who we are. And I believe that when adversity comes, we take it as a challenge and it gets us more involved and we begin to understand why these beliefs that we hold are so cherished and worth sacrificing for. And that is my prayer and my call to you to not give up, to not give in to uh, pessimism or defeatism, but to really work to understand these issues and to be an advocate in your community, in your families, among your friends. And that is where we stand. And I think that we just need to remember who we are and go forth from there. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. Check out my website, gailtrotter.com. This is Gail Trotter, right in D.C. 